I know, I know that you know this, but uh, it's Father's Day. And, and, and here's the thing. Can I tell the dads in the room? Like, I, I get it. So, sometimes it's tough being a dad. Anybody had like the tough seasons of being a dad? No hands going up. Just me. I guess y'all are all perfect fathers. Come on. But, but it, it's tough sometimes. It's tough sometimes leading your family. It, it's tough sometimes disciplining uh, disciplining your kids. That's a hard word to say, disciplining your kids. It's also tough to do. <laughs> like, anybody else, was it tough to discipline your kids? I see some head. No. The moms are saying, nah, not at all. <laughs> Dads are like, that's my baby girl. I gotta... So I got I to gotta tell, tell you what happened. I got to tell you what happened this past week. Um, so I, heard, I was up in our bedroom. I, I was kind of getting ready for the service. I was typing some stuff out. And I heard, I heard Piper coming up the, uh, the stairs. And before Piper made her way up the stairs, I get a text from my beautiful wife, Jenna. And all the text said was, I've already told her no. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Awesome! I'm gonna be the bad guy here. So, so she she makes her way up the steps, and you like I I've been told that that kids will like eventually try to pit one parent against the other. Like they'll try they'll run to one parent, one parent will say no, and then the other parent, and, and they try to they try to get over. I didn't think it was gonna happen at three years old. Like what? Like what are y'all teaching them in kids church? I'm like it's they're three. But but she came upstairs, and we were gonna get ready for dinner soon. But but Piper had. Piper had a little yogurt pouch, and she was kind of holding it like she was trying to hide it, but her hands are too small to hide the whole thing. She says, Daddy. She's like, talk quiet, talk quiet. She didn't want me to talk. I was like, yeah, baby. She goes, shh. <laughs> so what's up, Piper? Can I, can I have this yogurt? Knowing, like she didn't know, but, but I already got the text that my wife said, no, we're a team. If you say no, I'm saying no. Sometimes that's hard. But 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 I said I said baby what did what did mommy say? And and she kind of put her head down. She goes, "Mommy said yes." <laughs> My daughter's 3 and she's lying. Great. PKs. I rebuke that. She's not going to I'm like, "Oh great, this is going to be a learning moment for me and for her." <laughs> like Baby, for for real, what what did mommy say? Did she say you could have it? Well, yeah, she's she said I could. Are you sure? I'm going to ask you one more time. Did mommy say you could have it? Yeah. Well, let, let's go downstairs and ask her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we walk downstairs. She's like hesitant to come down the stairs. She comes around the corner. I say, uh, Jenna, did you, did you say she could have the yogurt? <laughs> Jenna's like at the counter. She just looks. <laughs> she doesn't say anything. No. <laughs> like, I said, Piper, I'm going to ask you one more time. Did mommy say you could have it? If you're lying, you're going to get a spanking. <laughs> oh, this was a hard moment. Like, daughter, please get this right. <laughs> <laughs> did mommy say you could have it? She did. <laughs> Baby, come on. We're going over to the couch. I need you to lean over the couch. You're going to get a pop on the leg. You're going to get a spanking. No, daddy, no. I, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to tell a story. No, you got, you got to get a... You're getting a spanking. So I popped her leg, and I sat down on the couch, and I turned her around. I said, Piper, do you, do you know why you got a spanking? She said, because I told a story. I said, baby, I love you. I love you. I didn't want to spank you, but we don't tell stories. We don't tell lies. And I gave her a hug, gave her a kiss. She sat down on my lap. And, and I think sometimes that's the picture that we get of, of God. We, we wonder why he has to discipline us sometimes. 
but we can't forget that he loves us. We wonder why things happen to us in life, and we wonder why we go through certain situations, but we can't forget that, that even though he might discipline us, he's also going to set us down, and he's going to tell us that he loves us, and he's going to pull us in close. It's one of those things that, that once we understand the Father on a greater level, once we understand the Father on a deeper level, we'll understand why we go through things that we go through and how he pulls us in close. We've been in this series called Greater Things, and in week one, we talked about this, that the Spirit is either viewed, the Holy Spirit is either viewed as dry or it's viewed as weird in, in the 21st century Western culture. So it's either not taught on or it's overemphasized. And then in week two, we, we drove home the concept that you can't separate God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then in week three, we looked at John 14 and, and we realized that Jesus referenced the Father 26 times. Time. So to understand the Spirit, you have to understand the Father. The Spirit wasn't just something for biblical times. And then we looked at how, how the Spirit and the Father and the Son applied to our context. And then Brittany did a fantastic, fantastic job describing that anything and everything that we do in our lives have to point to the Father. And this week, I want to take a deeper dive into our theme verse into John chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. I'm going to let you guys know up front, we're reading a lot of scripture today. All right. So I'm going to read a lot. Uh, so John chapter 14. So what does it mean for God to be our father? I imagine that it's similar to, to the way that I had the interaction with my daughter. He loves us, but sometimes he has to discipline us. And God the Father hurts when, when we hurt, but he also rejoices when we rejoice. He wants the very best for us in our lives, and he wants to teach us to reach our full potential. John chapter 14, verse 12 says this, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the work that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father I know we've been hanging out in these scriptures, but let me break it down just a little bit for us today. This is the night before Jesus' crucifixion. They, they, the disciples have already had the Last Supper. Jesus has already washed the disciples' feet. Judas has actually already left to betray him. Now, many theologians would call these scriptures the farewell discourse. Jesus is setting up the moment that he knows he's about to leave. Now, we can understand this because we can see the story in the full context. But think about the disciples. Think about what's going through their mind. Because to this point, the disciples have only known Jesus' physical presence. The only thing that the disciples know is that Jesus walks with them. That Jesus talks with them. That Jesus fishes with them. That Jesus literally sleeps with them. That Jesus sells the Sea of Galilee with them. That Jesus has been healing people. That Jesus has had a, a conversation with them. And not just one where they talk and then they feel something on the inside, but it was audible. It was, it was something that was back and forth. But Jesus is setting up his farewell. Jesus is setting up the moment that, that he's going to leave. Jesus knew that everything was about to change. So some of the reality that they're trying to understand is this concept and this idea of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is saying things like, I'm going to leave and one's going to come that's greater than I am. 
And they're wrestling. What, what does that even mean? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is why Paul writes in this language. Think about it. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Think about what Paul was experiencing as Jesus talked to him. And so he writes this to the church of Corinth, uh, to Corinth later on in his ministry. And he says, And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Let me read the whole passage of, passage of John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Jesus is talking and he says this, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you now and later will be with you. This is going to be our theme verse this morning. Verse 18. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but will see you. And since I live, you also will live. And when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and that you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Again, this is, this, these are literally the words of Jesus. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple that was with him by that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Good question, Judas. Jesus answered, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come to make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. We can do greater things in our life because we're no longer orphans. We can do greater things and carry out the call of God on our life because he has accepted us in and we're no longer orphans. Verse 18, no, Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come. This theme of adoption actually runs throughout the whole New Testament. Anybody, anybody grew up watching Annie? Anybody remember Annie? What's the best Annie song? Tomorrow. Some, some of y'all need some toning. There you go. <laughs> Not you, Miss Kay. Not you. Thank you for, thank you for singing. But, but here, here's, the story, here's the story of Annie. In 1885, Annie was actually a poem. That, that's how it started. 1924 to 1968, Annie was a comic strip. 1930 and 1932, Annie was a radio show. And then in 1977, Annie became a Broadway musical to tell a story that formed of this orphan. This is what one author wrote about Annie when it came on Broadway. Annie also attracted a larger, more diverse crowd beyond Broadway. The cast album sold more than a million copies, and the show was adopted into a Hollywood movie in 82, 99, and 2014 with Annie's signature song, Tomorrow, having become a standard. 
Annie became a cultural icon through the combination of strands that appealed to different audiences. Annie was one of the first productions that accepted everyone in, that everyone could have a seat at the table. Regardless of what you were born into, regardless of the life that you lived, everyone could have a seat at the table. In some ways, this story gives us a glimpse into what Jesus is saying, but it's nowhere near the whole picture of beauty for our adoption by God. And so I'm going to talk about the first point here because we are no longer orphans. We have a home where we belong. Um, my story is kind of similar to Annie's. I was adopted when I was about three months old into a great family who I call mom and dad. Um, I came from Seoul, South Korea. Um, <laughs> Paul in the building, right? Blood brothers, maybe, who knows? Um, <laughs> but I was adopted when I was three months old and I came to the U.S., um, in John 14, three, uh, 1 through 3 reads, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And so if we look at that scripture more deeply, when we talk about the Father's house, it has, says many rooms, right? And so when we think about rooms and we think about families, right, we don't want to put just random strangers in our home, right? But that's what God allows us to do right here with the scripture. He says that I have many rooms here for you, right? And I think that's so incredible if we just take that and look at that. As we see that even with the story Annie, even with my story, even with my adopted parents, they provided me that room in the house and they called me family, right? And I think that just because of that, we are allowed to have a greater home, and it's also being prepared for us through Christ, right? So each one of us are part of that adopted family. As Zach was talking about, that each one of us are adopted into the family of God, right? Um, John 14 also reads 23. Jesus replied, all who love me and do what I say, my Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Right there he says that we'll come make our home with them. He says, I will come make it. He doesn't say you have to come. I'll go to you. Just like how we were talking with pursuit drills. Go to that ball. God says, I will come to you and I'll be with you. And then we turn around and see in verse 16. It says, I will ask of the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's going to go ahead and say right here, because you're in my family, I'm going to provide you with something that will never leave like my last name. My last name is Graves. Because I was adopted in that family, I will never lose that last name. Right? So when we're adopted into the family of God, we've adopted that culture of church. We are the church. Right? And you can never leave that namesake. And so, because of that, um, me ending up here in the U.S. was an earthly destination. But my final destination, your final destination, ends and stops with heaven. Right, So if we understand that aspect of God saying, hey, let me adopt you into this family. Let's go right here and let me end you up right here in this family. Right? Isn't that incredible how we, how we see these different types of family and everything like that? And not only do we have a home available to us now, but we also have access to an inheritance.
Let's give it up for Sam one time, bringing a word. Second point is this, because we are no longer orphans, we have an inheritance. Aaron Heim wrote this quote, uh, writing about the practices of adoption in the Roman Empire. She wrote this, in both Greek and Roman sources where the legal practice of adoption is in view, there is a strong connection between adoption and inheritance. Inheritance wasn't just something that came after the parent's death, but it was something that was, uh, that was, something that was shared jointly while they were still alive. See, in our Western culture, once someone passes away, we receive the inheritance. But think of Luke chapter 15. Think of the prodigal son. The son went to the father and said, Pops, can I get my inheritance now? Go over to Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he what? When he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In 2016, there was a lady by the name of Kathy Boone. Kathy was a 49-year-old woman living in Oregon, but she was battling a few things. She was battling homelessness. She was battling addiction. She was battling mental health problems. And, and through all of that, she was separated from her family. Her mom's health started to decline, and, and her mom so desperately wanted to find her daughter. So she put out the ads in the newspaper. She, she hired the private investigator. She did everything that she could to find her daughter, Kathy. Everything that she could to find her. Kathy's mom ended up passing away in 2016, not being connected to her daughter. When she died, she left her daughter an inheritance of $884,000. Kathy, the daughter, actually passed away in a shelter last year, and she was never aware of the inheritance that her mom left for her. Church, there's, there's too many people that don't know about the inheritance that God has for them. There's too many people walking around that don't know that there's an earthly father that has an inheritance. And I'm not talking about worldly possessions. I'm talking about an eternal life. There's too many people. Can I encourage someone today that Jesus doesn't fail to track us down? Jesus doesn't fail to track us down. The Holy Spirit doesn't fail to track us down. But we can still miss out on the gifts of our inheritance if we're not looking for them. What if, what if the Holy Spirit is actually our inheritance now? What if the Holy Spirit enables us to be co-heirs with Christ and actually enables us to do greater things? What if we're shutting ourselves off from the fullness of our inheritance? What if we're afraid of losing control? What if we're just afraid of looking silly? What if we're afraid of not being good enough? What if we think that someone else can do it better? What if we settle for so much less than our inheritance? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of all of them. You and I have unique gifts that God has emplaced in us that the Spirit will work out through us. The problem, not the problem, the challenge is, is that sometimes I look at other people's gifts and I say, man, I want, I want that. 
I, I look at someone else and go, man, I wish I could, I wish I could do what they do. I, I wish I could live like they lived. I wish I had what they had. Verse 7 says a spiritual gift, gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. The problem is when we start focusing on other people's gifts, we forget that our goal is to help others with our gift because our eyes are on someone else's gift. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Man, there's people in this room you're too busy looking at other individuals' gifts that you're not using the one that God gave you. You're not giving wise advice because you're focused on someone else. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decided which gift each person should have. Listen, because we're no longer orphaned, orphans let us not waste the inheritance that God has given us what has God given you if you're taking notes write this down number three is this because we are no longer orphans we have a purpose told you about the quote by Aaron Heim let me finish the quote read the first part and then I'll finish it in both Greek and Roman sources where the legal practice of adoption is in view there's a strong connection between adoption and inheritance that's what I read earlier this is what she continues to write. And the purpose of adoption was to secure a suitable heir to take over the father's name and estate. Here, here's where it gets crazy. Here's where it gets crazy. In both Greek and Roman culture, biological parents could legally disown their children, but adoptive, adoptive parents could not. Adoption was common among nobles, and often they adapted men in their 20s and 30s in order to secure their suitable heirs. When we think of adoption through our anti-lenses, we only see what it means for the one that's being adopted. But this is what we miss. What we miss, what could have been assumed when Jesus said, adoption also serves a purpose for the one who is adopting. And that is to have someone to carry out their work and their name. When Jesus adopts us into the family, it's not just for us to receive, but it's for us to go out and do. John chapter 14, verse 15 says this, If you love me, obey my commandments. Just one chapter before, in the same dinner, at the same table, eating the same food, Jesus gave his disciples this commandment. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Listen, when we love God and when we accept our position of adopted children and co-heirs with Christ, we obey his commandments to love each other. To love each other when we don't see eye to eye. To love each other means going out of our way sometimes. See, we've gotten comfortable in our bubbles and we've started to believe that maybe we don't need each other after all. 
I think that's one of the, the challenges with the season that we're coming out of. Some people got comfortable being in their house, doing their thing, and not worrying about anybody else. And it's a lie of the enemy to think that you can do life by yourself. It's a lie of the enemy to think that we don't need one another. It's a lie of the enemy to think that community doesn't matter. This is how the world will see that we belong to Jesus, when we love one another. This is how we carry out his name, when we love one another. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says this, No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to a full expression in us. This is what Greater Things is all about. We are chosen by God to bring the full expression of his love on earth through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he has given each of us freely. Church, we can't waste another moment feeling like we're orphans. We can't waste another moment. If you have a relationship with God, stop holding your gifts inside of yourself. If you've stepped into the family, stop holding your gifts that God has given you to pour into other people. We're not about growing a church. We're about growing the kingdom. We're about kingdom business. And we can't be about kingdom business if we're hoarding what God has given us. So here, here's the thing. All across this room, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to step back into worship.